Do you know why there are so many Thai restaurants in America, John? I don't suspect you have a lot of tchotchkes lying around your house, Kurt. Mensch, schmuck, schmendrick. So are you done with your spiel on Yiddish words? Absolutely brilliant. And the headline reads, don't laugh. (laughs) Fantastic. The summer of 2004, when my brother and I tried to bring back whiskey sour. Hey everyone, set your clock. It's time for Smart Drivel. This is your co-host, Kurt Schneider with... Uh, Stunned John Ellenthal. Stunned, John. Why are you stunned? I anticipate your openings, and that one just came from further out in left field than normal. But hey, that's your shtick. Shtick? Shtick. Funny you should say that. Very funny we should say that, Kurt, because... That is a hint about today's topic, Kurt. Oh, do tell. I like hints, John. Do tell. It shouldn't be a surprise to you at this point, Kurt. Oh. The origin of this episode dates all the way back to last week's episode. We were wrapping up and you were talking about sailors chewing the fat. They would sit around and kvetch. Yeah, they would. You said, that's a great word. There are a lot of words that we use in everyday English that clearly have their origin in another language. So they're borrowed foreign words. So this episode will be entirely focused on borrowed foreign words, like shtick, like kvetch. What do you think, Kurt? Well, both shtick and kvetch are Yiddish words. And growing up in the Northeast, especially in suburbs of New York City, Yiddish permeates these days all language. I don't think that was true 100 years ago, but it definitely is in so many of our expressions and casual conversations. I mean, all the time you talk about, oh, it's so hot today, I'm schwitzing out. Yeah. Well, the good news is that... No, I'm not schwitzing out, but I'm schwitzing. Look, there are a lot of great words we use every day from Yiddish, and there are lots of great words that we use from a lot of other languages as well. Would you like to kick us off? John, let's talk about three words that probably are all Yiddish and they go together. Okay. I'm going to give you all three. I'm ready. Mensch, schmuck, (laughs) schmendrick. And why is it those three words go together? Because they describe character traits of people. If you're a mensch, which is so funny, mensch is kind of like that word enervate. It does not mean what it sounds like. To enervate means to actually sap energy from you. It sounds like you're energized, enervated, but actually you've sapped energy from it. You're right. There are a bunch of words that actually sound the opposite of what they mean. I've always thought the word sanguine sounded like a really down word, but sanguine is an up word. It's the blood of life. It's energy. It's passion. It's one of those words that seems backwards, Kurt. We'll do a whole episode one day on backwards words. So mensch is one of those, right? It sounds like if you're calling someone a mensch, it's a bad thing. But actually, it's the opposite. A mensch is a fantastic, it's like a great, upstanding, amazing person, a great guy, an admirable guy. But schmuck and smendrick, John, are kind of the opposite. If you're a schmuck, which we hear about all the time, don't be a schmuck, right? Well, when you say we hear about all the time, are you referring to you or both of us? I've been called a schmuck many times, John. 
I'm sorry to hear that. I don't think of you as a schmuck. I think of you more as a maven, which is another Yiddish word, although in this case, it means expert. Did you know that? No. I think you've got a lot of chutzpah, the good kind of chutzpah. Chutzpah is a great word which we say all the time. I do think Yiddish words are really are fun to say. So we have, as a grouping, mensch, schmuck, and schmendrick. And to your point, chutzpah, we say that all the time. Oh, that person had a lot of chutzpah. Is that a positive or a negative? I think it's actually both. It definitely connotes things like confidence, but among Yiddish speakers, it's not really a compliment. It speaks to having a lot of nerve. You know, you're a bit arrogant. So I think when we use it in English, that having chutzpah is someone who's got the guts and the courage to stand up and do something. But I think it's original meaning not so nice. I actually think, and someone once, I read a whole article on this once, actually, about the word chutzpah. This Israeli psychologist who was talking about how the word means different things in America than it does in Israel, believe it or not. That makes so, good sense, though. Chutzpah is exactly what you said. Chutzpah in the U.S. is a good thing. Chutzpah in Israel is not. You're considered way nervy and way too, you know, uh, out of it. Well, look, we borrowed these words and we, we made them our own by changing their definitions a little bit. So are you done with your spiel on Yiddish words? <laughs> well, I saw what you did there, John. Yeah, well, let's hope that we can complete this entire podcast without any technical glitches. So a spiel glitch. That's right. <laughs> I'm glad you're paying attention. We're doing this little kibitz back and forth, kibitzing, and I use the word glitch, and it almost got by you. So just as long as we're using Yiddish expressions, there's a word that I actually thought was made up. And I thought it was made up because it was a skit on Saturday Night Live called Coffee Talk. Coffee Talk. There are a lot of Yiddish words that do sound like made-up words. I agree with you. And it always talked about how verklempt he was. I'm yeah. so verklempt. And I thought it was a made-up word. I'm verklempt, verklempt, but it's not. It's I'm feeling what? a little verklempt right now, Kurt. You see? I probably should have had a bigger lunch before we did this. I only had a little nosh. I have one more Yiddish word just to throw out there that we is, talk about. Is it tchotchke? Oh, I love tchotchkes. No, but that's... So tchotchke, right, is when you go on vacation, you come home with a tchotchke. What'd you buy? Oh, it's a little Eiffel Tower made out of cigarette papers, and there's a tinfoil coliseum I bought. That's a tchotchke. Well, yeah, a bunch of knickknacks. I don't suspect you have a lot of tchotchkes lying around your house, Kurt. I don't, but I did buy a lot of tchotchkes, which happened to be very kitschy. Ooh, kitschy. Which means tacky, of course. Or perhaps you can get a little schmaltzy with that stuff, too, or a little, little too sentimental. Do you know that schmaltz is actually chicken fat? And you could go to, there's a restaurant in Far Rockaway, and they serve you on the table pitchers of schmaltz, chicken fat. So you can pour it on. And when we talk about something being schmaltzy, we're talking about it's sort of unctuous, right? It's dripping with, with all this Oh, don't be so schmaltzy. You're over the top. You've got too much, literally, chicken fat on you. It would be wrong if I did not acknowledge that my father was born in Far Rockaway. That's where he grew up. Two words that I conflate are schmaltz and schmutz. Oh, I like schmutz. Like if you were to eat something with your hand, you'd have like schmutz all over your fingers. You got schmutz on your face when you get something there. And that's not schmaltz. But sometimes you could get schmaltz on your face, then it would be schmutz. So it sounds like we owe the Yiddish language a big attaboy for filling English with so many colorful words that all kind of sound the same when you think of it, 
but do mean different things. And very guttural. It's amazing how many of these words just sort of make their way into normal language because we've adopted them, we've borrowed them, and now they're ours. I want to circle back to what we talked about earlier. I wonder if I would doubt very much, John, that 120 years ago, anyone who has been born and bred in America would use any of these words, right? When people first came over and they were using the words, that was only in their own place. They were were not borrowed at that point. There's no way a self-respecting born and bred American would use the Yiddish words back then. So I'm very glad that we have, you know, it's taken us a while, but that we have truly been the melting pot that we once said we were. Well, I think we have a long history in this country of making it tough when a new group comes over. At first, we ostracize them, but ultimately they assimilate into the culture. And look, look at all the foods that we eat now on an everyday basis that were not even part of the American diet when we were growing up. So we didn't eat sushi when we were kids. We didn't eat hummus when we were kids. You know, we didn't eat guacamole 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 all the time when we were kids. So these are all ethnic foods. So it makes sense as we've assimilated certain foods of these people who have become part of America, that we would also integrate, you know, some of their language as well. So how much fun is this? Do you know why there are so many Thai restaurants in America, John? The reason why there's so many Thai restaurants in America, and there are far, far more Thai restaurants per population of people actually in Thailand than there are Chinese for the number of people in China, Indian, etc. It's because about 30 years ago, and the Thai government was taking a long view of things, they said, you know, we need more tourism in our country. How can we get more tourism? And someone said, if we subsidize people opening up Thai restaurants in America and the like, They'll get used to the food, then they'll want to get see the culture, and they're going to want to come visit us. This is true? Yeah. This was the strategy to- Yeah, and it worked. In Thailand? Yeah, that's why there's so many Thai restaurants all over America. What is your favorite Thai dish? Well, I like pad Thai, of course, and I like curry, because I like to curry favor with people, but curry. Do you know what they call arugula over in England? Rocket. Isn't that great? That is a much better name. Yeah. Arugula. Sometimes when you get really mad, do you ever go, arugula? No, sometimes if I have a little in the back of my throat, arugula, arugula. All right, listen, Kurt. Achoo! What do you say? God bless you, or do you want me to say gesundheit? I want you to say gesundheit, <laughs> because we say gesundheit. And guess where that comes from? Germany. Germany. Know it. Thank you for playing along. <laughs> Did anyone ever tell you, like, you know what? I know someone who looks just like you. You mean your doppelganger? Another great word from German. But yes. another word from German that has become more popular in the last 20 years. In fact, it was the subject. There was a play on Broadway called... Zeitgeist. No, because that is a fabulous word. Ah, the play was Avenue Q. And they talked a lot about Schadenfreude. Did we ever hear that word before 20 years ago, Kurt? Schadenfreude. Uh we didn't, but it, it actually, it's in a lot of books, right? It's actually taking pleasure in the suffering of others. Terrible. But look, we're all, we all have a little bit of that. And thanks to the German, we have a good word for it. You're right. No matter how big we think we are, we actually all do have some of that. Like, think about Lucy, right? With Charlie Brown. She had a lot of Schadenfreude with that football. I think about Lucy all the time. Five cents. The doctor is in. She had a lot of chutzpah, didn't she? Not the good kinds. Nope. She was plucky, some would even say. 
as much as she had chutzpah, Charlie Brown was a very good foil for her because he was a klutz. Yiddish or German? Klutz is actually another word from Yiddish. So we are overweight right now in words we've borrowed from the Yiddish language. I have another German one for us. Gestalt. Gestalt is a great word. Why don't you define gestalt for us, Kurt? The gestalt is like the whole, the whole meaning of it. It's like not the little parts. It's what's the gestalt of this? What's the whole thing of, of things going on? Yeah, zeitgeist and gestalt are two all-time great words that we've taken from German. We've also taken where do kids, what grade do kids go to after they get out of preschool, Kurt? Yeah, of course. They go to that second grade, which is a great German word, second grade. Yes. Of course, we're talking about kindergarten which is a garden for kids, which is a very nice way to describe kindergarten. We've also borrowed beer garden in much the same way. One time I was in Germany with my friend, and these German friends of ours took us out and gave us <laughs> green wine and Zwiebelkugeln. Zwiebelkugeln is onion cake. When you drink a lot of green wine and onion cake, you <laughs> have a very rough rest of the day. So it's no surprise that Zwiebelglauben Blubin uh, has not made its way into English. What's that word again? Zwiebel, which is onion. Zwiebelkugeln. Kugeln is, is cake. Oh, I, I read the other day where Nutella came from. Well, it comes from nuts. Well, chocolate was at a huge premium during World War II. And some guy in Italy was trying to make his chocolate go farther, and he had a ton of hazelnuts. So he bashed up his hazelnuts, combined it with chocolate, and we got adulterated the chocolate in a good way. Yeah. You know what? The word chocolate is not an English word, believe it or not. It came to English, I think, by way of Spanish, but it actually has its roots in a native language of Mexico. But chocolate comes originally from Mexico. The original word was like, well, it sounds like chocolate. <laughs> It's a little different. <laughs> All right. How about some Latin words? Okay. Like piñata? That would not be Latin. Why not? That would be Spanish. What about Mexico? Okay, but I'm talking about Latin words, not Spanish words. So, Oh, you don't mean like Latin culture. You mean like e pluribus unum? Prima donna. Status quo. Mia culpa. All things we say all the time. Ad nauseum. Ooh, those are good ones. Bonafide. All Latin. Yeah. When you said Latin, I thought you meant Latin culture, not the dead language of Latin. So it's interesting. Our language is very much, sounds like it's very much of a melting pot, just like we are culturally, which I guess makes sense since, as we discussed earlier, people bring languages and wonderful foods with them, and then we, good for us. Do you know that there's a city in the U.S. that is known for, you're never going to guess this, John, for having the best international food, most authentic. A city in the U.S. for as many, like for a bunch of different cultures or a single culture? No, no, a bunch of different and very good food from all of them. One you would never think of or guess. Pittsburgh. Ooh, great one, but no. Salt Lake City, John. Salt Lake City? <laughs> exactly. Do you know why? Because the Mormons... Part of their religion is to go out and proselytize and convert. Well, of course, the missions. So and they brought, brought all the food back. 
that makes perfect sense, but I still wouldn't have guessed it. Me neither. Not for a million years. Someone told me that the other day. My sister-in-law lives there, actually. She told me that. And we went out to this unbelievable restaurant. Wow. I forgot what we had, but it was fantastic. Um, did you see Book of Mormon? I did. <laughs> a great play. Salt Lake City. That was such a great play. So as you're about to go on your Mormon mission, and you think about all the places in the world that you could end up, I wonder if you, if you feel any wanderlust. German. Wanderlust is German, Kurt. It's funny the way the Germans pronounce their V's like W and their W like V's. Well, that's probably, they sit there and go, it's strange how the Americans <laughs> their W's like W and their V's <laughs> like V's. So this is actually a good time to take a quick break because we have a word from our sponsor, John. Excellent. What language will you be speaking? (laughs) I will be speaking English. And this is a returning sponsor. TAP Strength Lab is yet again a proud sponsor of Smart Dribble. And John, TAP is a healthy lifestyle resource in Westport, Connecticut. And they talk about building foundational strength and all core exercises and activities around foundational strength. And they are in Westport. You can reach them at at Tap Strength on Instagram. It's EJ and Lauren, and they go there to help you tap into your full potential. So we encourage you as Smart Dribble people and listeners to check out Tap Strength Lab in Westport, Connecticut, at Tap Strength on Instagram. So John, I want to tell you, as long as we're talking about borrowed foreign words, Borrowed foreign words, yes. I had an English teacher in seventh grade, Mr. K. And Mr. K taught us English. One of the things he taught us was fancy French expressions. And we learned these fancy French expressions like mal de mer, seasickness. And we learned carte blanche, which is, of course, to do whatever, and other fancy French expressions. This was your English teacher? He also taught us iambic pentameter by dancing around the room Twas the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. So give me some French ones, John. Well, of course, hors d'oeuvres, which we've discussed previously, is French word. How about the word lingerie actually comes from French? Have you ever seen the nutcracker, Kurt? Yes, with doppelganger in it. And what, and what form of art or what form of dance is the nutcracker? The ballet, John. That, too, is a French word in its origin. Otherwise, it would call it ballet. Now, perhaps the next time we get together, Kurt, we can have a rendezvous. Perhaps we will have some hors d'oeuvres. We will discuss the Renaissance at a cafe. And hopefully neither one of us will commit a faux pas during the conversation. And should we do it en masse? There's only two of us, Kurt. But that's also French. I got that part. It also has to make sense in the context of what we're talking about, though. So we can invite friends, and we can do it en masse, if you would like. Another great French word, which is a word that comes up in conversation a lot, is entrepreneur, also French. So when did we get all these words from French? I think it's probably because of lingua franca, which we've talked about in the past. That was the global uh, diplomatic language for so long. Lingua franca. In fact, I think French was actually the language of England for a while, right? It was. Of the court, yes. Well, how about that? For many, many years. In fact, most of the English monarchs, their first, almost all of them, their first language was French. When was the last time you went to a delicatessen? I love delis. Would you like to guess the language of origin? It's very easy. German. You are correct. 
We can also thank the Germans for schnitzel and hot dogs and hamburgers and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Those are all German foods. Bratwursts. Bratwursts. And of course, lager is a German word. And it's quite common when you're having a Frankfurter to have some sauerkraut on top. So Kurt, ersatz, which is another great word that we should commit to using more. Ersatz. I agree. Another German word, Kurt. It means replacement or substitute. The summer of 2004, when my brother and I tried to bring back whiskey sours into the into the zeitgeist, but it didn't happen. John, it was an ersatz cocktail. When did you consider your interest in whiskey sours kaput? <laughs> another German word, kaput. Okay. You know, hang on. You know what's another really popular German word that used to be cool, and now we have a company that is that word, and that's changed the meaning of the word for everybody. Care to guess? It means super. Uber. Uber. Which was from Nietzsche, who wrote about the Uberman, alles, alles. And the Uberman was Nietzsche when he talked about how there's this one person who's basically the strongest person who's going to go and rise up. And that's why a lot of people in, in German war liked Nietzsche, because the Uberman. I have one word that I can share with you that is a regular American word that actually comes from Swedish. And it is a word. When you hear it, you'll go, that's Swedish? And the answer, of course, is yes. The word moped, believe it or not, is Swedish. It's the combination basically of motor and peddler. And those words, motor and peddler, and those words in English are very similar to the words in Swedish. So we have moped. How many people do you think would say that the word moped is Swedish? What percent? More or less than 1%. How many countries want to take credit for that word? That's what I want to know. It's a bad word. I mean, if I said Vespa, you'd think it's the coolest thing ever, but that's Italian and that's Roman holiday and you got all this romance around it. But moped, that's a good word. Don't be dissing moped. Can I tell you something? You kind of look like a putz when you're riding a moped. Kurt, do you know what the word putz literally translates to? Duker, John. I don't know what that means. What does the word (laughs) duker translate to? The word putz refers to the male sex organ. So when you call someone putz, you really better mean it. That's a duker too. And I wonder why it's called a duker. I wonder if it goes back to some English royalty and one guy was flailing around and he was the man and it was the duker. So you talked on a previous episode about how it's one of your dreams to be a famous actor and how you don't really want to do the work part. You just want to show up one day and be a star. Once you're a star, How do you think you'll feel about paparazzi following you? You mean an Italian word that's worked its way into the American lexicon? Wow, how topical. Good for us. What do you know? I have one from the Greek, John, when you're sort of talking about all those people over there, all the, it's two words. I feel Kind of rhymes. Hoi ploi. That's Greek? Uh Uh-huh. That sounds French, doesn't it? Oui. So, Kurt, the most famous song sung by the village people is YMCA. What is their second most famous song? Young Man. Oh, second most is... uh, Macho, Macho Man. You want to do a few bars for us? Macho, Macho Man. I think we all know what the word macho means. What we probably didn't know is that it comes from Spanish. Makes sense. Another Spanish word, aficionado. Really? Means a fan, literally. Means he's a fan. The word patio 
Kurt, is actually a Spanish word. What's Irish and stays out all night? Patio furniture. Maybe that took me down the wrong path because, of course, it's not Irish. <laughs> it's Spanish. Okay. The word gorilla, as in gorilla marketing, or it actually literally translates to little war. Spanish. Spanish. Not, of course, like gorillas, the animal, gorillas of the mist, but gorilla. So in Spanish, guerra is war. That's right. And if you add ia or ita or ichi, that it makes it little. small. So gorilla. Little war. You did that so, very nicely. I have a great one for you, John. Something. Hang on, I want to anticipate it for a second. Is it possible to be our age and hear the word anticipation and not immediately go back to the ketchup commercial when we were kids, when they were turning the Heinz bottle over to pour it on the burger or the French fries, and it takes a long time to come out? So, and they're singing. So it's Carly Simon's song. And of the, reason, the reason why that is such an amazing commercial, it is one of the first times in advertising history where the marketers took a perceived weakness i.e. the ketchup does not come out of the bottle, which was a consumer complaint, and turned it into a positive. Absolutely brilliant, right? The ketchup took forever. I can't get it out. I can't get it out. Anticipation. They have a song to it. Absolutely unbelievable marketing. That is really well done. I can think of another example of that too. When the BW Bug first came out, it was an unusual looking car. And do you recall some of those early ads? Well, the one was by DDB. The big one was when they said lemon. It said lemon? Yeah, that was the headline. Lemon. And they showed a picture of the car. And you thought, what the heck are they talking about? A car lemon is a bad thing. But because it was the shape of a lemon. I also remember that it was also a very small car. And there was one ad I recall where they have the, they have the picture of the VW bug and the, and the copy reads, it'll make your house look bigger. <laughs> Beautiful, right? Taking a perceived negative and turning it into a positive. There was also an ad where they showed the car and the headline reads, don't laugh. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. So I've got a great one for you, Kurt. This is a legitimately great one. The words gung-ho. Name the language. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it has something to do with Genghis Khan, who came off the Mongolian steppes to run China. So I'll say Chinese. So you're correct. It's China. And it, the phrase gung-ho literally means work together. It's time for us to wrap up this week's episode, Kurt. Anything you'd like to add before we say goodbye to our listeners? I do. I wanted to add one last thing that I just thought of. Is it karaoke? It's a no, it's a borrowed word that comes in. So you ever play tennis, John? So you're, so you're playing tennis and the score is, you know, you, one team does not get any points in a game and all of a sudden they're down 40 love. Do you know right. where that comes from? 40 love? France. Why? Because there is no love in France. Because it's actually 40 zero and the zero looks like an egg. And the word for egg in French is le oeuf. Le oeuf. So it would be 40 le oeuf, 40 love. 40 le oeuf. 40 to the egg, and we, we heard le oeuf and turned it into love. I think that is a perfect way to punctuate this week's episode because that is exactly what this episode is all about. I enjoyed myself. Kurt, did you enjoy yourself? I always enjoy myself, John. Likewise, and we hope that our listeners enjoyed this week's episode of Smart Dribble. We will be back next week with another episode of Smart Dribble. If you have time and want to reach out to us on any of our social media accounts, we would love to hear from you. 
No obligation, but it's always fun to hear from listeners. We hope that your week is filled with smart dribble. This is John Ellenthal. And with a borrowed word from Italy, Kurt Schneider saying, ciao. 